glad that you guys are here on Memorial Day weekend. Hope you guys have been having a good weekend. My goodness, it is gorgeous out there. Um, do me a favor. I like to be interactive. So uh, turn to your neighbor and say whatever. And you can say that however you want. You can say whatever. Whatever. Okay. That's uh, where we are going today. The word, the kind of theme would be whatever. And in our culture, that can mean uh, a few things. It can be dismissive of things. You can say, oh, whatever, um, or, or I don't really care. Um, you can ask, you know, guys, you ask your, your spouse, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? And she says, whatever. But you really know that actually doesn't mean whatever, because then you say, okay, whatever, we'll go get pizza, right? And then she's like, ah, oh, no, I don't want pizza. And then you're like, ah, ladies, you're confusing us when you say whatever. But it can be... Um, it can be like, I don't care, or it can be dismissive. Someone can be like, hey, I, I'm, I'm upset at you, with you, I'm angry at you, when, you know, you said this, or I'm angry, and we can just kind of dismiss them to say, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. Um, I want today, for the word whatever, to kind of change in our context, to say whatever means anything and everything. We are going to camp out in Colossians chapter 3 today, and we're actually going to kind of work backwards. But if you have your Bible, um, you can open it up to Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 is where we're going to start. It's going to be on the screen, or I'll say one other thing, if you have the Bible app, you can open up the Bible app and we have an event on there. And anyway, it's kind of confusing, but anyway, you can click on there. There's an event. It actually has the notes in there from the sermon. You can take your own notes. It's pretty cool. Bible app, you download it in Android or, or iPhone and it's all right there. Um, and you click on events and it should just show up. Like it'll be an event at this location where you're at. Anyway, Colossians chapter 3. There you go, Rendell. You got it up on the screen. Thank you. Um, verse 17 says this. It says... Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, whatever. I realize this is kind of an annoying word. In, in some uh, surveys, the word whatever for the last eight years has been the most annoying word in the English language. Um, and next to like whatevs. I don't know if anyone says whatevs, but in the name of Jesus, please stop using that because I think that's more annoying. But in our context, Whatever you do, anything and everything you do. We are wrapping up a series, a three-week series that we've been calling Honor. And I can't think of a better way to, to wrap up honor than just saying whatever we do in life. We need to honor God with our entire life. And it is critical, it is critical if we are going to honor God with our life to see, to do whatever. This this what we're going to talk about today. Not only in, with our life, but with our calling. God has a calling on your life. He has a purpose for your life. And, and we need to be able to, to honor Him with whatever we do. Now, typically, I like to, when I preach, go through and like move forward. Like, hey, here's verse 1. Then we go through verse 2 to what, you know, go. We're going to move backwards today. Because as I was prepping this message today, um, I don't know why it just kind of clicked with me and made sense. So I, I hope not to confuse you. But I, we're starting in 17. That's kind of the goal. Whatever you do. But if you back it up, he actually explains a little bit. He dives into, well, what does whatever mean? And, and gives us some very practical things in our lives 
that we can use to honor God with our whatever. Whatever kind of sums it up. Kind of sums it up. So, back it up to verse 5. Back it up to verse 5. And this is where he gets super practical. And sometimes almost a little bit too practical to where it's uncomfortable. Because I love scripture because when it's clear, you're just kind of like, oh, that's a little bit too clear for my life. I wish it was a little bit more vague so then I could maybe... Anyway, let's read through this. It says, put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Look at your neighbor. You can give them the title of our message today. Cleaning out my closet. Cleaning out my closet. That's the message today. As we are taking things off and putting things on. Has anyone, do you ever know anyone, have you ever known anyone who like defies all fashion sense? And you know, no point. Don't point. And teenagers, don't point at your parents. Please do not do that. That's not nice. Um, sometimes people just defy all fashion sense in Los Alamos. I have no idea why this is. Black socks and sandals. I mean, come on. I don't understand. Now this, you know, feel free if you see someone doing it. Pick, take a picture. Hashtag it. But, I, you know, I don't know why we do this. My best guess... My best guess as to why people will, will wear black socks and sandals or do different things, maybe it's comfortable. I, I, I really I don't know. In the name of Jesus, we need to stop doing this as well. We can work together as a church to maybe stop putting into it. But anyway, um, sometimes people defy all fashion sense. And in what Paul is saying in this part of Scripture, he's saying there's some things in your life, like clothes, that are out of style, like really bad, like in a sense, he says, take them off. And in one sense, he says, what? Put them to, like, burn them. Put those things to death. Some things are actions. Like he says, hey, sexual immorality, which the Greek word is pornea, which is where we get our word porn. He says, put that to death. Impurity, which is like dirt or trash. Lust, greed. And then he kind of gets into some attitudes that we deal with. Uh, anger. we got a temper. And it just flares up. He says, put that off. Wrath, where we just blow up on people. Malice, where we desire to hurt or injure people. Slander, language, lying. The words that we use. And he says, he says to put these things off. Now, why, why are these things in our lives? I kind of feel like it's like, like our favorite clothes. Some of those ones that need to go out of our closet, we need to clean out and get rid of. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, gossip is so comfortable. 
It feels good. I kind of, I kind of, you know, it's one of my favorites. Anger. I really just kind of, you know, I get it out of my closet. I know it doesn't look good. I don't wear it out of the house, but I know it just, oh, it just fits so well. I've, I've always loved it. It's been around for a while. It's, it's sentimental favorite, and we will wear these things in our lives because we're used to them or we're comfortable or that's just who. I am. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That's who you were, your old self. Now let's talk about being your new self. He says, put them off. But in another sense, he says, what? Put them to death. Have you ever put anything to death? I hope not humans or anything like that. I mean, but think about that. There's got to be some intent there. There's some intensity to putting something to death. You don't just casually do that. And he says, in these things, you need to attack it. And you might be thinking, because as I'm going through this, I'm like, Mike, wait a minute. We are Freedom Church. Don't like all the rules. Don't like, you know, you know here's a list of rules here. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be a part of a church where there's all these rules. Listen. These Things will mess you up. He is saying, put these things to death because these things will really, will really mess with you. And maybe not just you, but the people around you. And it could impact for generations to come. There was a story a few years ago in Florida. This lady comes into her home one afternoon and there's a seven foot alligator in her bathroom. And it's thrashing around and she had to get it out. She had some cats. And these cats um, in her house, she had built actually for her cats in her kitchen, she had built a little doggy door for her cats to go in and out, in and out, in and out. And one day, as these cats were going in and out, in and out, little, little, not little, seven-foot alligator somehow crawls underneath her fence and then goes through the doggy door and chases these cats all around the house. Fortunately, the cats survived. Okay, I'm not a cat fan, okay, so I wouldn't have mind if that was part of the story, if the alligator got, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, it's beside the point. Listen, the cats are cute. They go in and out, in and out. Sometimes we have pet sins. That it's not really causing a big... It's kind of cute. It goes in and out whenever it pleases. And it's not really harming anything. I don't like cats, so cats can represent sin. I think they're from the devil anyway. So, okay, we can kind of go with that illustration. Okay, so we have these little pet sins that we allow in and out, in and out, in and out. Doesn't hurt anyone else, you know. I, it's, it's not good, but when you when you have a doggy door like that, when you allow pet sins to come in and out, listen, you do not get to choose what comes in and out next. And this is how jacked up our enemy is, Satan. Those cats were what to the alligator? Bait. Your pet sin that you think is cute, that's not really messing around, and you think, well, it's no, I can handle it, it's no big deal. I just let it in and out whenever I want, whenever I want. And you don't get to choose what comes through next. And Satan knows that. 
And he will allow anger to fester and you, you, know, you deal with it or whatever. Okay, okay. He'll allow that little flirting conversation that you have at work to fester for years or whatever. That you just, oh, it's no big deal. It's not doing anything. And he will use that to rip your guts out. He will tear you apart. He will tear your family apart. He wants that thing to be where you think it's no big deal at all. And then one day you got an alligator tearing up the house. And you don't even know how in the world it got there. These things are not rules. God is very clearly telling you to put these things to death because they will jack you up and they will mess you up. And God who loves you, God who loves you has something much, much better. That was part of the old self. And here's what I love about this scripture. He says, you used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived. And then he says, but now you must also do away with these. Listen, as a Christian, this is the, this is the best part of Christianity. You don't have to get all cleaned up to come to Jesus. You, if you've screwed up, if you've been a part of these, and you're like, I don't want this in my life, guess what? It's okay. He's writing to Christians in this chapter, in this book of Colossians, is saying, hey, you used to do these things. It's okay. Okay, I'm not endorsing sin. I'm just saying that's part of Christianity. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, that's a requirement. To not, you're not perfect. And he says, and now you need to get rid of these things. Guess what? We still struggle, even in our Christianity, these things like to linger around. You're not going to be perfect. You don't have to be all perfect. He's just saying, hey, recognize these things and let's move forward. Which, by the way, I'm going to plug next week. We're going to do a new series in June called The Fight of Your Life. And it is not physical. If you think your spouse is the problem, if you think your boss is the problem, or your kids are the problem, or kids, you think your parents are the problem, then Satan has you right where he wants you. Because the battles we face are not flesh and blood. They are spiritual. We're going to walk through the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to step through that in, in, in the next five weeks. And I want to encourage you to come. Because if you want victory in your life, if you want victory now in your life, overcoming any circumstance in your life, any sort of hardship, any sort of obstacle, if you want to be able to put these things to death, the enemy doesn't want you to come here in June. Because we're going to look at some of his tactics and his strategies that he wants to take to keep you defeated. And we're really going to dive into that in June. So I want to plug that in because it's going to go hand in hand with what we're talking about today. God knows. Here's the thing. God knows what you're struggling with. Each of you came in here with something. There's something in here, a clo some clothes in your closet that you need to clean out. He knows and he loves you. He's not saying, oh, get out of here, leave. No, he's here and he's telling you today, I love you. In fact, he goes on, he says, therefore... Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Some of you, this is all you need to hear today. You may not clue into any other part of the message, but you just need to hear this. Hey, God's chosen people, you are chosen. You may not feel like you're picked by anyone. You may feel all alone, but in God's eyes, you are chosen. The Creator of the universe has chosen you. Not only has he chosen you, he says you are holy. 
you might have gone through that list and be like, oh man, I don't feel, I feel pretty dirty. I don't feel very good about myself. I'm ashamed. I have regret. I don't like these things. And guess what? You are holy in Christ. When, he, when God looks at you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if he looks at you, he doesn't see all the sin. He sees his son Jesus. Because he paid for your sin. You are holy. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved. What a great promise right there. It's like mic drop and let's go home. Because we could just rest in that and live in that. We'd be doing really, really well. But he goes on. He doesn't say just put these clothes off. He's going to give us some clothes that we need to put on. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All right. Sum all the rules up. You're like, oh, there's all these rules. There's only one rule. There's only one rule. Love. Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love others as I have loved you. Want to sum up the entire Bible and how you're supposed to live your life? Love other people. That's really the only rule that we're going to preach here at Freedom Church. These qualities, these qualities look good on everybody. People far from God loved Jesus. They actually liked him and they wanted to be around him. If you want to know, hey, am I doing this, this life thing right, this Jesus thing right? Listen, if people far from, from God want to know about Jesus and, and they're hanging out with you, then you're probably on the right path. You're not doing these things of the old self, but you're putting on the new self, the new clothes. People, people far from God wanted to hang around Jesus. They were the prostitutes. They were the drunks. They were the outcasts by society. They all wanted to come to Jesus and be around him. The religious people were the ones who rejected him and ended up killing him. These qualities look good on everyone. Listen, let me just cast a little vision for Freedom Church. Because we're here and we're, we're starting things out. Like a little 2020 vision. Two years. I don't know what God has planned. But in, in my mind, as we live out our faith, as we take off the old self and, and put on the new self, and we are, are loving on people, on, on our neighbors here in Los Alamos, I just believe that we are supposed to grow. That healthy uh, churches, healthy ministries will not only live out the kingdom, but you'll see uh, physical numbers rise. You're like You'll see more people come, but you'll see also spiritual uh, growth as well. I just really believe, I think we could be, in 2020, we could be a gym of 500 people. I don't even know if they would allow that number in here. And that seems like so far off, but I've been in ministry in Los Alamos for, for 10 years full-time and 15 years since I've been here. And I've, I've talked with pastors and they're like, Mike, there'll be there's no way a church in here, a church in Los Alamos could reach 500 adults. And they just automatically just put that away. Like, that's impossible. But I think, I just believe, that if we're loving on people, if we're investing in them, and we're, we're displaying these things, I think God's going to move in that environment. But people want to be a part of something like that. They want to be a part of that movement. 
Now, we can't make that happen. I can't make that happen. You can't make that happen. But we just do it one step at a time. I think God wants us to grow. And I know when people, when Jesus lived his life, people wanted to be around him. So I don't know how that's going to happen or, or, or when or anything like that. But I also know that Jesus wants us to grow. He wants us to go and expand the kingdom. He said, hey, you're going to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and what? All around the world. I think God can make it happen. I think he can make it happen in, in two years. He goes on. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then here it comes. And whatever you do. He just sums it all up. Hey, here's all the clothes to put on, but he sums it all up. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, it's one thing to read through that. Maybe God's kind of shown you some things. Okay, I need to put this off and put this on. But in reality, as I was prepping today, I'm like, you're going to go home this afternoon. You're going to uh, have a day off tomorrow, but you're going to go back to work. What, when we go home, how do we take this message home with us? How do we clean out our closet and really, really put it in, into place? So I want to give us a little bit of an illustration of what we need to do um, in, order to see this hap- in order to see this happen. I have up here, I have my son's uh, backpack from kindergarten. He's in kindergarten right now. We're having a lot of fun. It's the end of the school year. And so this is his uh, well-worn minion backpack that he's been wearing in kindergarten. Now, do we have any seniors in here? Anybody graduating? Got one back there. Congratulations. We are getting ready to honor our graduates in a couple weeks. So here's a graduation hat. My son has no idea what graduation is as far as, you know, 12th grade and moving on to college or anything like that. But to be honest, this is where you start, right? You go into, into kindergarten, preschool, whatever. That right there seems so far off. Like, he can't even think about it. But that's the goal. That's the destination, right, in the public school system is to go and gra- one day graduate for us when we're thinking spiritually I have the old self and the new self in my mind okay here's where I am this is who I am that's where I want to be that's who I want to be where I want to go but to be honest when I get home this afternoon when I get get home on Monday or at work on Tuesday I can't even see that far. I can, I can think about it, maybe, but what I have in my face is the, all the old self, the anger, the, the, the mistakes, the sin that's in my life, my past. It's all like right in front of me. And, and it's one thing to say, oh, well, that's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. But come on. I've got all this junk in my life. There's, there's absolutely no way I can make it there. It's too far. When I think about the big picture, I often get frustrated. 
I often get confused, I doubt, I don't even see that there's any way to make it. Why? Because right here, what's in my face is so overwhelming. So how do we get from my old self to where I want to be? How do we get there? When all of this is in me. Let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Make sure you're paying attention. Did you miss it? Do you see it? I'll do it again. I'll do it again. What happened? Just took one step. All I did was take one step. Listen, our mission here at Freedom Church, helping people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus together. I'm not asking you to be here today. Okay? It's something to think about. Something to ask God, hey, who do you want me to be? Who are, you calling, who are you calling me to be? What's this new self? All I'm asking you today is, what's it going to take for you to take one step? What's it going to take for you to take one step today? Tomorrow? Tomorrow? We'll, learn, we'll worry about that step. And the next day, we'll learn about that step. And guess what? When we take one step, when we just take that next step, over time, guess what? Look how far I've come. Look how far I've come. And in the Christian world, let me, add, let me add one more thing to this. Let me add one more thing. Because I still have sin in my life. That, that, that cat, pet door. Maybe the alligator comes in. Uh-oh. Took a step back. Let me ask you a question. Have I still made progress? Hey, in, in my book, I know I'm with my kindergartner. We're still learning that addition. Two steps forward and one step back is still progress. And so I want Freedom Church, this is a little bit of vision casting as well, I want Freedom Church to be a place where we can celebrate. I'm not endorsing sin, okay? But I, I want us to be able to celebrate because I've been a part of churches where if someone takes a step back, you're out the door. You've messed up. And we're, oh, well, you, you, you've, you can't be, it's one thing to say, okay, I've had an alcohol addiction and I've overcome it and now I'm good and we celebrate that and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But for the person who's still struggling, you can't confess sin in church. That gets you a ticket out the door, right? Freedom Church, I want it to be a place where it's safe to confess. Where it's safe to say, I, I took a, back, a, a step back. And again, I'm not endorsing sin, but confession is a huge part of being able to take steps forward. And this needs to be a place where it's safe. I'm not going to call anyone up in front of anyone, but that's why we have small groups. That's why, why you have connection outside of Sunday mornings. So you can hit, take steps forward. And if you take a step back, guess what? You have people who are right there to help you take your next step together. We're not going to shame you. We're going to take those steps together. Now let's back it up again, back to verse 1, because he gets a little bit more practical. How do I take my next step? When all I see is all the junk, how do I take my next step, that first step? He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Here it goes. Set your hearts on the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. We are to seek and set our minds on whatever is above. Why? 
Because that's where your identity is. Verse 3 says, you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Satan wants you to think that your identity is in your past. That your identity is, is in, in all, the, all the stuff, all the junk. All the things that you're supposed to put off. There's no way. There's no way you could ever be that person. You are just in kindergarten. You're this baby Christian. There's no way you could ever make it there. And he wants you to think that your identity is all wrapped up in here. Set your mind on the things above because that's where your identity is. And not only is that where your identity is, but he says, seek what's above because that's where your hope is. Verse 4 says, when Christ, who is your life, he is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen, we don't serve a Savior that is dead. Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross. He died for your sin and my sin, for our past, for our junk, for the old self. He died for it. He was buried in a tomb and what? He raised from the grave. He is alive. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Our hope is not in our circumstances because they may not be great. Our hope is not in who we are and that we try to earn it. It is in Christ and Christ alone. And that's what he's trying to say here. That this, whatever you do, do it all for Jesus, is that's who you are. That is your identity. And for some of us, I know for me, I get wrapped up into the negative. I get wrapped up into the negative thoughts and I stay stuck to where I can't take a next step. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Nobody likes me. This isn't going to work. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be miserable. God can never use me. Why even try? And I just stop. When that's not who you are. When he says, seek and set your mind on the things above, on who Christ says you are. When I, when I set my mind on who God says I am, I can take my next step. Why? Because that's my identity. That's who I am. That's who I really am. But that's where my hope is. It's not in me. It's not in my circumstances. It's what Christ has done for me. Seek. Seek and set your, your mind on the things above. So much of it, so much of it is, is in here, in our brains, what we're telling ourselves. We set our minds to the negative. We see all the negative, and he's saying, no, look at the positive. How many of you, if you were honest, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just think about this. You're prone to the negative thoughts about yourself as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, in life, what you've accomplished. Are you prone to the negative thoughts? How many of you, if you're really honest, are discontented? You're not satisfied with what you are living? For some of us, the negative thoughts in our minds can be self-fulfilling prophecy. We go into this idea of nobody likes me, nobody likes me, nobody likes me, nobody likes me, I'm always going to be alone, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. And we get our mind set to that, and then what? You are, in a way, you've self-fulfilled prophecy through your brain because you've told yourself no one likes you, and all of a sudden, that's where Satan wants you. He wants to pound at you and pound at you and pound at you. Seek what is above. Look at what, who Christ says you are. Because he says what? You are chosen. You are holy and you are loved. 
It seems so opposite from what I feel and what I think about myself. So we need, to, we need to really take this to heart if we want to take our next steps because it can be overwhelming in the moment. And here's what I like. Here's what I like. He says in verse 11, I want to go back to verse 11. He says here, here, here. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Jesus is all that matters. I've died spiritually, and now it's Jesus living through me. So when I go to take my next step, even though I don't want to, I can forgive because Christ forgave me. I can take the next step, and I can flee sexual immorality in my life. It's tempting and it is in my face. But when I set my mind on the things above, I know that that stuff is going to tear me up. So it may be at work where you, you have that flirty conversation and you're like, oh, well, it's not really a big deal or anything like that. But I'm, gonna take, I'm not going to flirt with temptation. What? I'm going to flee. Scripture says flee sexual immorality. And I'll, I'll bring that up just because that one, I think more than any, all sins are equal in the eyes of God in the sense that one will do it. That was, that, that's enough to make you separated from God and, and send you an eternity into hell without a relationship with Jesus. But not all sins are equal here on earth. Sexual immorality, will one mistake just like that, that fast, can tear you apart, can tear your family apart, and you can lose everything like that. And scripture says, don't flirt with it, flee. Don't fight it. Flee. Don't even try to fight it. Just run. Just run. Put it to death. When we are able to seek what is above, we can take a next step and say, hey, I've been dealing with this anger. I've been dealing with this, this bitterness. I have this gossip in my life. But I want to take that off. I don't want to live that life anymore. And I can take one more step. And this right here, Freedom Church, is called grace. Because God loves you. He has a better plan for you, a better purpose for you than you can think or imagine. This is freedom. This is freedom. Satan wants you to live in here in chains. God has freedom, something much better, something that is way worth it. It is hard to take these steps. This is not easy. But it is so worth it. And when you graduate, <laughs> when you graduate, hopefully you'll meet your Savior and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Two questions to close. Two questions to close. What is it going to take for you to say whatever to God? What is it going to take for you to say whatever you want, God? Because some of you are hearing this and I can just kind of sense we have two, we have two postures. Whatever. I hear you, God. Whatever. Dismissive. I don't care. Whatever. Like, you know God's... But we say whatever to God, but it's not the other posture. Whatever you want, God. Whatever you want. Send me anywhere. I'll do anything. Whatever you want, Jesus. You are all and in all. You are in all of me. You are my Lord and Savior, whatever you want. Or is your posture today? Pride. Uh-uh. Not that area. 
Pride's what got Satan kicked in out of heaven. If you read scripture. Pride does also in Proverbs, as it says, it's like pride comes before the fall. It's bait. It is bait to destroy your life. Whatever. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Second question, and this is actually this is where the, the difference makers come, because you may say, God, whatever. And then he speaks. And then you're like, oh. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to take that next step? Because he's going to show you. When you say whatever you want, God, he'll show you. But are you willing? Are you willing to take that next step? That's between you and God. Let's pray. With that in mind, let's pray.